Well, we've been in a series uh, right now called um, uh, Imagine, and uh, we started on Easter Sunday, and we're really just, you know, we want to, God wants us to see. Do you believe that, that God wants you to see who he created you to be? God, he wants you to see. He's done everything on his part to help you to see who he's created you to be so that we can do what he's created us to do here in the earth and for us specifically here in Alexandria and the surrounding areas in our world of influence, in our harvest field. This is our harvest field. Can you say amen? This is where God has us. This is where we work and labor with him, with one another. And uh, um, God wants us to see, you know, we was watching uh, recently, uh, Silas likes the, the educational stuff on PBS and and uh, I, I forget the name of the, the TV program, but it kind of teaches you things. And it, they were, uh, I think it was called Weird But True or something like that. Things that are weird but, but true. And, uh, and, and the one thing that was going on was talking about how um, scientifically, you know, when a mother looks at a baby and they lock eyes, that there is a chemical that's released inside the baby from the mother looking at it. And then in return, there's a chemical that's released in the mother just kind of that, that excitement kind of rearing up this, I forget what the chemical is. If you, you know, if you're in here, you probably know if you're a doctor or whatever, but, and, and the mother gets excited. It's just kind of going back and forth. It's almost like a, a, a snuggly gaze, right? You just back and forth. Well, they found out that the same thing happens when you look at your dog. I mean, when you look at your dog, I don't know if it works with cats. They're just weird anyhow, but... <laughs> But with a dog, when you, when you look at your dog and you lock eyes and, and just there, all of a sudden, this is, sometimes I'll see, sometimes I'll see Abby, I, I do that. And I've been, I've been practicing, I learned this a little while ago. And so I was like, I told Natasha, I was like, honey, look, I mean, when, we, when we look at our dogs and we talk to them and we're looking in their eyes, there's a connection. There really is. And I'll see, and, and it happens every single time. Abby, she'll come to me. You can ask my wife. When I come home, she'll want to be there, and she's looking for me. And she'll get up there, and she's just looking at me. And I'm like, hi, Abby, I love you. And we're locking eyes. And I get excited, and she's getting excited. And if I had a tail, I guess I would wag it. I don't know. Either that or she's just trying to smell what I ate while I was away from her. Uh, one of the two things. I don't know. But you know what? God wants us to lock eyes with him. I love that song that we sang. He wants us to lock eyes with him because he wants to release into us just that, that clarity of who he is, his excitement and his enjoyment when we come into his presence and just loving on him to seek him just for who he is. Amen. Can you say amen to that? And this morning, I just want to I just want to uh, inspire you as we talk about um, kind of uh, uh, this Imagine series. We're talking about renewing our image. We've talked about, on, you know, on, on Easter Sunday, talking about the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They couldn't imagine. Everything went totally opposite for the disciples is what they thought it was going to happen, that Jesus was going to come and just take over the world right there and there, Rome, and just take them over. It didn't happen that way. But Jesus did take over the world. He took over the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And he died on the cross and he rose again with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand to bring liberty, not just to Israel from, you know, over the Roman Empire, but over the demonic realm, at, at the whole demonic realm and transfer us into the kingdom of light. Amen. Hallelujah. So he did. And last week we were talking about um, 
really the two images because when, when God created us, when he created man and woman, he created us in his image, in his likeness, patterned after who he is. And then sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden. And the Bible says in chapter 5 of Genesis that when, when Adam was around 130 years old, he had another son named Seth in his own likeness and in his own image because he, he, he had died spiritually and was disconnected from God. Well, thank the Lord for his plans and his purposes. That's why Jesus came to help bring us back to the original plan that God has for us so that we can be like him once again being born again in our spirit. And I want to talk about that this morning just a little bit, you know, just to inspire us. That word inspire actually means to really to take in air into our lungs, really. It's just that it's to inhale, to take in. And we see in, this won't be on your screen, but in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, says this, the first man, Adam, became a living soul or he received life, a living being. He received life. God breathed, the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. God's breath, God releasing from himself in this clay form, receiving God and became a human being. You know, it always fascinates me about, you know, God's name really, you know, I mean, you go back and, and, uh, with the Jewish culture um, in the Hebrew and, you know, actually even pronouncing his name, just that it's, you know, really it's an air name, that Yahweh. They just do it without, without the, uh, the vowels in there. It's really just an air where there's nothing involved, with just air, just, yeah, way. nothing. I mean, isn't that, to think about that, it's all God. Even speaking his name, it just takes breath. That's the breath that he has given us. And he wants to us to receive his life and to live in the image that he created us to be so that we can multiply his image in the earth as we talked about last week and be all that we have been called to be and created to be. So it says here that the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, talking of Christ, became a life-giving spirit. See, we were all dead, born dead in spirit, but Christ came. We put our faith in him. He's that life-giving spirit for us to come alive in our spirit again, connecting his spirit with our spirit to bring life into us. Someone say amen. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord Jehovah from the realm of heaven. The first one made from dust has a race of people just like him who are also made from dust. The one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who were just like him. Once we carried the likeness or the image of the old man of dust, but now let us carry the likeness or the image of the man from heaven, Jesus. And we talked about, you've heard me say this many times, the more we behold him, the more we can become like him. That's why we want to lock eyes with him. That's why we, that's why we come to church. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we get into the word of God, because we want to see more of who he is. That's a great prayer to pray every single day. Holy Spirit, you are my teacher. Help me to see as God sees and show me Jesus 
like never before because we need to see him. Amen. So there's really four things I want to give you today. And I'm going to give you the first one right out of the gate. You don't even have to do anything for it. I'm just going to give it to you. Actually, the rest of them you get for free too, if it makes you feel any better. But this is the first thing I want you to get today. God has already decided. God has already decided that he wants you to be like him. I mean, it, it, there's, there's, there's effort involved, but it's not your works. He has already pre-planned this, that you would become like him because we were created in his image. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And it says this, Now we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are, who are called according to his purpose. Let's hold that for a moment. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I had some things, and I don't know if they're still in brackets up there or not, but uh, there are certain things in the original, when you go back to it, there are certain things that are really not in there, even though in the context it's there. But it really would read like this. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to purpose. There is really only one purpose in life, and that's his purpose. I mean, we can have different things that we run after, but there's really only one purpose in life. It's really his purpose. We were created for his purpose, to do his will. And he wants to fellowship with us. It's not robots just to do things for God. He wants us to do things with him. Remember in the garden, he would come every single day in the cool of the eve and commune and be there with Adam and Eve. He wants us to commune with him. He wants to show us things that we have never seen. There's a promise in, in Jeremiah 33, I think it's 33, 3, where it says, come and ask and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. He wants to reveal great and mighty things to us. There's great and mighty things that he wants to do through us. It takes him to do these mighty things. He created us. He's the potter, we're the clay. But he wants to fill this clay with his glory, with his nature, to do awesome things that the world is even waiting to happen. But God has already decided that he wants you to be like him. The second part of that verse says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's already decided this. Those he foreknew, what's it mean to foreknow someone? To know something before, right? Before we were even created, the Bible even says, we could go down scriptures and scriptures. The Bible says before he even created the world, he already had planned this out that we would be like him. Someone say amen. That's good stuff. Before those who he foreknew, he also predestined. That predestination really is he predetermined. He had already determined before he created us, before he created the foundations of the world to be patterned after the image of his son. You know, um, we talked about last week, kind of that little image. I'll just share it again real quick. You know, my, my grandmother and my mom, uh, they would... Uh, 
go into like Joanne's fabric or something, buy a pattern, they would make clothes, you'd have that pattern, and then they would all they'd have to do is just buy the material and cut everything out from the material according to that pattern, and then they just had to sew where it said to sew. The pattern was already there. All you had to do was get the supplies and bring it and just follow the instructions, right? Well, I was a surveyor, land surveyor, for uh, about 11 years in Florida, and uh, they gave us all the tools that we need. They would give us site plans and plats, and, and we would go out, you know, with boundaries and everything. And some, sometimes I might just have a, just a, really an aerial photo to walk out to this acreage. It might be a 1,000 acres, and I have to go out and find the exterior boundary of this property. And sometimes I would have stuff from the, from the county or the state or the city or whatever to be able to go out with markers and maybe people that have been out there before. Sometimes it would just be an aerial, a picture with lines where they thought everything was, and I would have to look. But I had tools. I had a pattern to go by. All I had to do was look at what had been given to me and begin to, 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 to seek out and look and just kind of let, survey the land where I'm at. Okay, I'm looking here. This looks like, okay, that's north. That's, let's start with that. There's north. That'll help things out. Okay, that, well, that goes that way. That's right. And then since that's north, that must be that big oak right there. It looks like that. And there's that pond right there. Okay, so I see those two. So right around that big oak tree and just to the left of that pond is supposed to be a marker. I'm going to go over there and start over there. And then I'll use my little, they, had, they called it the Seanstat. Someone say Seanstat. It was just this little metal detector thing that would just find rebar. And you'd turn it on, right? And it'd start to go crazy. And we'd say, all right, we need to dig right there. And we would find something. There it was. I had a pattern to go by. God had already predestined before the foundations of the world that we would be patterned after him. He's already decided this. Isn't that exciting? He's the one with the plans. He's the one with the map. He's the one with the aerial. He, he sees your now. He sees your past. He sees your future. He sees your future in eternity. Already, he sees it. He's already there. See, we're bound by time, but God isn't. He's an eternal being. He's not bound by time. We are at, in this time. But one, one day, we will not be bound by time. We'll, we'll live in the realm of eternity. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. So he's already predetermined. He foreknew you. He predetermined that you would be patterned after the image of his son. You know, look at uh, uh, 2 Peter uh, verse, or chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 3 through 5. It says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love this scripture. His divine power, it's his power, it's his authority, it's not yours, it's nothing that you have done. By his divine power, he has granted to us all things that pertain with life and godliness. To be able to have life, to be able to live this life, to be able to have life and live this life according to and patterned after who he is, to live a life of godliness, to be like God. Come on, somebody shout amen. And this happens through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. We've already discovered that the glory of the Lord is the nature of God. 
It's his nature. It's who he is and his excellence, his purity by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers. Say partakers. Partakers of what? Partakers of his divine nature. He's, his power has, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through the promises that he's given us, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and as we come to know him more, we come to understand and know the promises more and obtain these promises more so that we can be partakers of his divine nature, his divine likeness. God created them in the garden. He created them to be like God in his, according to his likeness, patterned after him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That word partners there really means to partner, a sharer, a companion, to have fellowship with his divine nature and having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. So God already decided that he wants you to be like him. Number two, you have to respond to God's promises to become what God has promised. You have to respond to God's promises in order to become what God had promised. The last scripture of that, 2 Peter 1, 5, it says this, For this very reason, make every effort to respond to God's promises. To respond to his promises. We had talked about um, earlier there, um, right after worship, about you know, kind of like that responding to his promise whenever, whenever things just don't seem like it's going the way that we thought it would go or even sometimes it seems the way that it got, God's word says this but it don't seem like it's going that way or it don't feel like it's going that way. I don't feel like you're close. You feel like you're far away. Responding to his promises is saying because his promise is I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you ever. That's his promise. That means no matter where I go, how long I go, he's right there, period. Even if I feel like he's not there, his promise is that he is there. How do I respond to that promise? When I feel like he's not there, when that feeling begins to rise up from within, or those words begin to come into your mind that he's not there, he's left you alone again, I respond by saying, no, he has not left me alone. He is here with me. And I make it even more personal. God, you are here with me right now. Even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it, you are here right now according to your word. And Jesus said that is called great faith. There's really only two things that marveled Jesus in scripture when you see. One was, was when people had great faith and one was whenever they didn't have any faith. He marveled. How can you be faithless? And we, I think about the centurion because the centurion sent a servant to Jesus to say, come and heal my other servant who is, who is dying, but you don't have to come really into my house. Just speak the word and it will be done because I am also a person under authority. I have people over me and I have people under me. I know how to submit to people and I know people will submit to me whenever I speak. So I know you are a person of authority, the divine authority from heaven. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said this, 
I haven't seen such faith like this in all of Israel. Who will believe me just for my word's sake? See, that's responding to God's word. That's responding to his promises. But to find out his promises, you got to get into his word. Amen. That's why we come to church. That's why we, we you know, advocate everybody, you know, uh, reading the Bible every day or when you're going through things, to be able to even search things out, the answers in scriptures, because they're there. And, and the Lord told me this. I believe I said this recently, but God brought it up in my spirit again. You know, when I was a, a youth leader back in the, in the 90s, uh, mid-90s there, uh, God's, one of the things that he spoke to me just stuck with me um, so deep in my heart. He said, if you take hold of the word of life, the life in the word will take a hold of you. But you know what? That, that the word is his promises. And, and there's that time when God gives his promises and he breaks that, that covenant with us through his son Jesus. That just like Abraham, you know, God made a great promise to Abraham that his descendants would, you know, multiply the earth. And, be, you know, all, all families in the earth would be blessed because of him. And he told him to get these sacrifices and he brought them and he, and he split these, these animals open and he put them on, on the altar. And God himself caused the fire. But before, it, before God came and, and, and lit them on fire, the Bible says, says the birds of the air began to sweep down and try to take away the prey and he had to do his part to get out of here you get those birds of prey that are trying to take the seed of God from you or that sacrifice of praise from you and you shoo them away you get out of here and you can be sure that God will come according to his promise and he'll light things up for you to be able to see and bring forth that promise in his life because you have to respond to God's promises to become what God has promised. I remember um, during that time when I was youth pastoring, um, I wasn't married to Natasha yet. And uh, just going through this time, I had suffered for many years with a spirit of condemnation. And this was, this was a different time. I think I maybe I shared this with you or not. I don't know. But I was up there and I wasn't one to go, you know, to go down in the spirit. You know, you people get, you know, they call it slain in the spirit. You get prayed for and kind of you're, you're, you just kind of like fall out. I was like, Lord, if that's going to happen to me, you're going to have to do it. Because ain't no man pushing me over. I don't think so. I'll get ready, right? Well, the first time it happened to me, you know, I'm just like, because sometimes you get people, they would kind of push you. I'm like, hey, brother, back up. <laughs> and uh, I know you're feeling the anointing. <laughs> But, uh, uh, I, but when it happened to me, the, for the first time I was there and, and really just my legs went out from underneath me. I just kind of like, and I was just kind of like laying on the floor and I'm like, this is, in my mind, I was like, this is weird, God. I, I mean, I, I really felt like I couldn't move my body. I'm like trying to move. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna let you do what you gotta do, Lord. Have your way. But in this time, I was being prayed for and I was struggling. My pastor came to pray for me. He laid hands on me, and I, and I went out, and someone had caught me, and, and I went down. And I was, as I was laying down, just the whole time I was laying down, I just felt like the enemy attacking my mind, just speaking everything that I, everything opposite of what God wanted me to be, just in enhancing and speaking those feelings that I'm a failure, that I'm a nobody, I'm never going to make it, who do I think I am? And my pastor came over, and he didn't lay hands on me as I was laying there. He just began to pray over me, and he was praying in the Spirit. And as he was praying in the Spirit, he was doing it very boldly. I was hearing God's voice say this, Who says my son is this? And who says my son is that? And I saw God kind of stand up off with authority off of his throne, kind of like coming against those spirits that are speaking that over me. Who says that? Who says that about? And I had to come in agreement with what God was saying. 
See, God, he'll do his part. He speaks his words of life over you. But you have to take a hold of those words of life. And you've got to let them get into your heart. You've got to grab every one of those and hold on to them. Because the enemy will try to come take him away. And getting him into your heart is just not by grabbing the word and say, I believing in it. I believe in it. Because the Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, which results in salvation. That word salvation, yes, in that scripture in Romans um, Romans 10, 9 and 10 is talking about being saved from our sins. But that word salvation is the same throughout the New Testament. It says the word salvation, which is, it means everything beyond not just being saved from our sin, but all the provision we will ever need, the healing that we need, everything that came with the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's involved in that word salvation. So I've got to believe it in my heart, but I've got to speak it out. I've got to take what God is saying to me, and you can be sure that God will be there, and he will speak over you his words of life. But I have to, in return, take what he's saying and really breathe life to it in my own life. I take what he's saying because he speaks to you in your spirit. He'll speak to your spirit, man. That's where he connects with us. And then I take that and I begin to speak it out. Even if your mind don't understand it, there's so many things that your mind will not understand. But when you grasp it with your spirit, which is who you really are, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a physical body. Amen? So when you grab a hold of it with your spirit and you begin to speak it out, even though your mind don't understand it, your spirit will help your mind understand by faith. And then your mind will begin to be able to calm down from all the things that the mind just tries to grab a hold of because the mind works in the realm of the reason. The spirit works in the realm of faith. Amen? So he's already decided for you to become like him. He wants, you have to respond to his promises to become what God has promised. And number three, you have the authority, or you could say it this way, you have God's permission to renew your image anytime you choose. You have the authority or God's permission to renew your image anytime you choose. In the natural, when I go to renew my image, so to say, maybe, I'll, maybe I just feel like anybody else just like once in a while, you just feel like, man, I just need to splash my face with some water, right? You just get like, ah, oh, I just wipe it off. Something about that towel is like, ah, oh, I feel refreshed. I feel like I renewed my image. Or I go in and I, I check my hair out, right? Ooh, check it out, well, I don't do that, but anyhow, you check things out or you, you check yourself out in the mirror or whatever, or maybe after you eat a salad, you know, you look over at your spouse or a close friend that won't just let it sit there and you go, I got anything in my teeth, right? Anybody ever been there where you've been with friends and you ate something and when you get home, you look in the mirror and there's a big piece of green right in the front teeth. I mean, not back in the, like right there in the front. And you're like, man, I was laughing extra hard today. Come on. And none of my friends said anything. Oh, my gosh. New friends. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I made a determination with that that one time that if any friend of mine has greens stuck in their teeth, I'm going to let them know in a discreet way because I'm planting seeds so that they won't let me hang like that. <laughs> Anyhow, sidetrack. So you have the authority or God's permission to renew your image anytime you choose. It is a choice you make to line up with God's promises. You make the choice to line up with God's promises. Look at Ephesians. This is where I really got this whole thing from. Ephesians 4. I'm going to read a couple scriptures here. 
with God's, with the Lord's authority, Paul speaking, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. What's a Gentile? Well, a Gentile in the basic form is anyone who's not a Jew. And, and this form going in here is not only just uh, not, not a Jew, but it really is taking as, uh, really going into as unbelievers. So he's saying, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live, or the Hebrew for that word live is really walk, to regulate one's life, to conduct yourself, to pass your life no longer like an unbeliever. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from what? From the life that God gives. Because, this is why, they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Can we stop just for a minute and pray? God, help our hearts not to be hardened against you. Lord God, or our minds against you. Help our hearts and our minds to be open to you, Lord God, so that we can see you, so that we can be all that you've called us to be. Amen. They're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life of God. Why? Because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. One, one translation says they have become callous. So, the heart is still there. The heart is still beating. You know what, callous, you still got flesh, but the flesh on the outside is, is calloused. It's hard. You know, there's one step further from callous, which is called being seared. When, when something is seared, it loses really, uh, it, it destroys the ability to be able to sense. When you're, when you're calloused, it, it's, it's harder to sense, right? I mean, I, I play guitar, so I got calluses on my finger, and I can literally take a needle and push down so far and not feel it because of the callus. I've been playing for, I don't know, how, since I was 15, I'm 48, you do the math. So quite some time, and my fingers have been calloused all that time. So um, I can put a needle down so far, but it's, it's not seared. It's not burned. A searing is like a burning, like a, it's like a scorching, a searing. That it's just gone. It, it takes the, the nerves and everything, burns them where you don't even feel anything. But it talks about as an unbeliever, living like an unbeliever, we can get to the place where we are uh, really, you know, hardening our hearts and our minds where we become callous. And he goes on to say this, they have no sense of shame for they live, a lustful, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned or observed in Christ. This is not what you've seen in Christ. This is not what you have would behold in Christ. This is not what you've been told about Christ. And it's funny that how even unbelievers, when you mention the name of Jesus, even if they don't believe in him personally, they still know that Jesus was perfect. They still already know Jesus would do this. Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't treat somebody like that, right? Already. It's not what has been taught about Jesus. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, here we go, throw off your old sinful nature. Now the translation says the ancient man or, the form, or your former nature, your old unrenewed self, one translation says. Throw off your old unrenewed self and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on 
your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, you have God's permission to renew your image anytime you choose. Now, you know, not so much, maybe when I was single a little bit more and, and had to run to the, uh, um, the laundromat and everything, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, anybody ever forget to do the laundry and then you need to wear that one article of clothing? Oh, come on. Is it my, was I the only one? Anybody else? And you got to pull it out of the, out of the waste basket, or not the waste basket, oh, that's bad. <laughs> Out of the hamper, you know, I've heard of guys, you know, I don't, I don't use the spray deodorant, but I've heard of guys taking the spray deodorant like, and you put it on. It don't feel good putting on soiled clothes, right? That's just like that old nature. And because we have Christ living on the inside of us, if we ask him to come into our lives, we have that, that new nature on the inside. When we feel that old nature on us, it don't feel good. It's just like, even if you have a, a clean body, it's like, I got this... Uh, this soil, this old, these old clothes, these old soiled clothes on me. I don't, I don't want to wear this. We throw it off and we put on the new. The Bible says in one translation to you're to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You're to be renewed in the mind of your spirit, back to your spirit again. You got to go back to the way that God is speaking about you, the way that God is looking at you. And you got to be renewed to that way of thinking. The translation that we read said, he said to, um, to renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You got you to renew your thought before you can renew your attitude. And there's sometimes we just get attitudes. Come on. Come on. Some people like, yeah, I know. I got that attitude. Right? It, it starts with renewing your thoughts first. And then and I, when I renew my thought, then I begin to renew my speech, what I'm saying. I have to change it. I just can't do it up here. I have to speak what God is saying according to his word, according to what I see about his likeness and who he's called you and me to be in his word. And I begin to speak that out. Something begins to happen. There's a renewing that begins to take place and it starts in your spirit and you begin to get excited again because the spirit will always grab a hold of the word of God. Come on now. And you begin to get excited, and all of a sudden, you're, you begin to get renewed in your soul. Remember, the Bible says that, you know, he's the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. When he goes down, you know, basically beside the streams of water, you know, passive, or not passive, right? It is in there, but uh, uh, lays me down in green pastures. He, re, he renews or restores my soul. It starts in your spirit. I'm speaking that out. My soul begins to get renewed. My mind gets renewed. That's part of my, of my soul, Amen. And then I feel I've put on the new man. I'm no longer walking around like I had to spray something in order to get people not to smell the old nature, which stinks, right? Dead things stink. We're not to put on the old man. The old man is dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to throw off our old self and put on Christ in the spirit of our mind. And we have God's permission to do this anytime we choose. You can do this just by, just by calling somebody. Maybe you feel like, you know, just con confusion and coming and things that are coming at us that you just need to call somebody. Call a, call a close friend and say, just pray for me. Speak, give me some words of life right now. Speak over me. It's amazing what just speaking the word of life over somebody. And not just what we want or what we're trying to say or make it sound pretty, but speaking God's word. This is what God's word says. 
I've known you from the foundations of the world. You are mine. I love you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I do have a plan and a purpose. I'm with you even in the valley of of the shadow of death. I'm not leaving you. I'm right there. I'm leading you through. Sometimes we just need to hear that. It's it's really what the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, a washing of the water with the word. You're just washing. You're getting renewed with the water of the word. Can you say amen? And the last thing. God's word reminds you of your true identity. This is why it's so important to go to God's word. You know, I I look at it this way, that, you know, the Holy Spirit works with God's word. And obviously he he, he knows the word in and out. He can speak that word to us. And I've heard of people actually that that didn't read the Bible at all. And and God was dealing with them and speak to them. And they would get things that were scriptures in the Bible. Because God loves people that much. Amen. He loves them that much. But on my part, I still need to do my part. I need to get his word inside of me. I I say it this way. I want to give the Holy Spirit something to work with. I want to get it down on the inside of me. And the Bible talks about our heart like being treasures where we get these revelations of Jesus, who he is by the Holy Spirit. He gives us understanding. You don't come up with it on your own. You don't study the word for 20 years to get revelation. You get revelation when you're in a posture receiving from God and God gives it to you and you receive it. You take it in. And it goes into this treasure of your heart. And you, you, there's revelations that you have that, that you don't even remember. Maybe you've been saved for 20 years. There's things that he showed you 20 years ago. And it's still in there, but you don't remember it right now. But you're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. And when you need it, the Holy Spirit will draw out of the treasure of your heart the word of God that is in there. Say, no. Say this is not just some word that's out there. This is a word that is in you. It's planted in there. The roots are there. And if the roots are there, then the fruit is there. Let's draw upon that. Let's let's get you back. Let's renew you back to what I showed you however long ago it was. Or even if it's fresh. Amen? Hallelujah. So God's word reminds you of your true identity. James 1, 22 through 25. I'm reading this from the New Living and, and, and and the Passion. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. One translation says you're deluding yourself. To delude something is to add more of like a a liquid. Let's say you got a drink. Come on, nobody liked growing up. Nobody liked it when mom diluted the punch. Come on. I mean, you know, Hawaiian punch, and then she puts more water in it. Don't taste like Hawaiian punch. I want the full pack thing, right? When you add more liquid to it, it takes away the flavor. When we're adding these things in it, you know, we're, we're listening to God's word, but we're not doing it. We're really deluding ourselves, the Bible says, because we're hearing it and we, we, see, we hear the promises and we're like, yes, yes, yes. But they don't get activated until we begin to walk in it, until we're pulling upon it, until we're speaking it out of our own lives. Amen. The Passion Translation goes on to say this. If you listen to the word and don't live it out out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word and discovers the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. This is what we're talking about. God wants us to remember our divine origin. We have been created in his likeness after his image to do his will in the earth 
And I know, I, if I said to raise hands, I'm sure almost every single person in here right now would raise their hand. If, if I was to say, hey, do you ever have thoughts of, of feeling like you're a failure? Do you ever have thoughts of feeling that you're never going to do anything great for God? Well, those are lies from the pits of hell. Because you have been patterned after God Almighty. You have been given everything that you need. It's already his, his will. He has already desired and, 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 and wants to bring you about into his likeness. But I have to respond. You have to respond to his promises. We have to be able to renew ourselves and we catch ourselves and we catch that old man rising up again. Hey, the old man rises up. This week sometime the old man may try to rise up again, but I get renewed in the spirit of my mind. I have to renew myself. You have to renew yourself. Amen. And I do this by getting in God's word. His word reminds me, it reminds you of your true identity. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget his divine origin if we just look and don't do. But those who set their gaze deeply into the, perfect, the perfect, perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up if you would.